Hello everybody, and welcome to the third episode of Fight Talk with Alan. This episode is going to be pretty similar to the last ones. First, I'll start off with uh, talking about the fights that happened this la last weekend with Derek Brunson and Edmund Shabazian. And I'll talk about the Contender Series that just happened this Tuesday. It's the first of many for this month. Uh, they're doing it every week, every Tuesday. Really cool, you get to see some upcoming fighters. Uh, a lot of no-names, but uh, that's kind of their first entry into the, into the UFC, so that's pretty cool. Uh, there's actually two big fights this weekend. There's a Bellator fight, headlined by Benson Henderson and Michael Chandler. Benson Henderson, a former UFC world champion in the, in the lightweight division. And then for the UFC, you got uh, Derek Lewis fighting Alexi Olenek. And you also got Chris Weidman on that card fighting Omari Akhmedov. And then I'll also talk about some important news that happened this weekend in MMA, uh, as as well as other things that I want to talk about, such as Paige Van Zant moving to bare knuckle fighting potentially, Yair Rodriguez being out for the Zabit fight, and who I could think could replace Yair for that fight, uh, the quick turnaround for Whitaker against Jared Cannonier, and then I'll talk a little bit about fighter pay and how COVID affects it, and how much I think they should be paid, and I'll just give my two cents. All right, let's get it started. So. This past weekend, a uh, pretty good fight card. There was uh, like two less fights because two fighters fainted in the ba in backstage, I think, or one guy got COVID and he had to uh, withdraw from the fight. So there was about like six, uh, seven, eight fights that happened, I think. Yeah, there wasn't that many fights, like eight fights, which was quite the turnaround from uh, the previous week's fight, which had like a bunch of fights. That was the. Uh, which card was that? Was that the Darren Till? Yep, Darren Till fight. So with this card, you got Derek Brunson and, and Edmund Shabazian were the main event. And for this fight, uh, it showed a lot on both sides. So for Derek Brunson, he was kind of seen as a gatekeeper. And that means like, if you're trying to bring a guy up and you're trying to like prove to people that he's a legit competitor, kind of like uh, what they did with Israel Adesanya, and Robert Whitaker, they gave him Derek Brunson because they know Derek Brunson is a legit top 10 at all-time middleweight. But he's kind of like Donald Cerrone where he's probably like not going to fight for the belt and be a champ. But he's always going to give you a good fight. So if you can beat Derek Brunson, you can like propel to that next level. But nobody really wants that title. Uh, they want to be like contending for championships. And Derek Brunson has had a real change to his fighting style. Because one of the big reasons he's never propelled to that next level is because he was a super reckless fighter and just uh, relied on his takedown defense and his very sharp left hand. But he really fought very patiently this fight. And first round, Edmund Shabazian was getting some pretty good shots on him. But I think he could tell that Edmund was uh, a bit ex inexperienced all there in, in there. And the only way he was going to get a win was going to be an early round knockout. Uh, I'm also surprised why this fight wasn't five rounds. I guess this uh, wasn't the original main event, so they changed the fight to. They weren't going to change the fight to five rounds because that would have been unfair. But uh, he didn't need five rounds, and obviously Edmund Shabazi needs to work on his cardio because he couldn't. Uh, he didn't have the gas tank for two rounds. Like he was tired after one and a half round, 
and he wasn't like super active. It's not like he was he almost finished Derek and he was just throwing a flurry of punches. So that's definitely something that needs to be addressed uh, sooner rather than later because now that he's found Derek Brunson, he's kind of going to be known for fighting guys that have somewhat of a name. And it's also not a good uh, look on his resume that he gasses out because if you gas out in a three-round fight before the third round even starts, it's going to be tough for you to go five rounds heavy. And I'm just curious if it's something with the camp, like Ronda Rousey had that same problem and she had the same, she has the same trainer, but who knows. But I, I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to just jump off the hype train of Edmund Shabazz, you know what I mean? It's probably going to be good for him to lose to a guy like Derek Brunson. And it's kind of, it's kind of nice for me to see a guy like Derek Brunson, a true sappy veteran, get his uh, credit. So yeah, that fight ended third round. TKO stoppage. Uh, stoppage was good. Edmund Shabazzian was out of that fight. Second round, he was getting destroyed. Uh, he had no answer for Derek's wrestling. Uh, Derek was getting some good shots off, and that fight should have been ended, and I thought it was a good stoppage. I think it was Herb Dean roughing that fight, best in the business. So that was a good stoppage. And for those two guys' next opponents, I would say Derek Brunson, he deserves a big name now. He's won three in a row, and he's fought very well in those three fights. So I would give him someone like a Kelvin Gastelum or um, Yoel Romero maybe. But uh, Yoel is scheduled to fight Uriah Hall uh, later this month. So I'm guessing the timing will probably be that Kelvin will, will want to fight and he'll want to like jump back from that loss that he just had. He didn't really like exert that much energy. It was a round, one round fight when, where he got submitted. So I think it'd be good for Derek to fight a guy like Kelvin. It'd be an exciting fight to Southpaws. Uh, I don't know if Kelvin wants to drop down and wait, but if he wants to stay, it's probably a good fight for him. And Kelvin is ahead of, of, of Derek in the rankings, I believe. So that'll just make uh, Derek's case for fighting these uh, big middleweights, these big name middleweights, uh, even more by beating Kelvin. And for Shabazian, I think you got to be really careful with Shabazian and who he fights next because if you give him someone like a Uriah Hall or like a, like a big name guy, you know, like, like I don't even know, a Jacare or something like that. If you give him a big name guy like and he loses and he loses the similar way, uh, people are really going to jump off his hype chain and be like, oh, this guy's never going to amount to anything. And I don't want that to happen to him because he's only 22 years old, man, like, He's got a lot, of, a lot of years to be a fighter and learn the ways of uh, MMA. So I would give him someone like maybe like Ian Heinish or like Marvin Vittori. Don't, not like a tune-up fight. Like these guys are not tomato cans. Like they're not easy fights for anybody. But I would give him someone in the top 15 but like in the lower half of the top 15 because I don't want this guy to just get thrown to killers now that he fought Derek Brunson and just get beat up for no reason. I don't. I think that's uh, that they're like there's no need for that. But in the UFC, there's no easy fights, so he's got to work on some things for sure if he wants to uh, be at that next level. But he's got time. And then for the next fight that I was talking about is Vicente Luque versus Randy Brown. Uh, Vicente Luque kind of did what what he needed to do. Randy Brown tried to get in some takedowns, but Luque was just a better striker, going to those legs very durable, and Randy just kind of, uh, not like quit, but he was just, he just kind of knew he wasn't going to win the fight, 
and Vicente, I think he knocked him down and then he just finished him with a flurry of strikes. Or I think he hit him with a knee. So uh, Vicente Luque is still winning fights in crazy fashion. He's, you're never going to get a bad fight from Vicente Luque. And he called out Nate Diaz after the fight, which is an interesting call out. And I respect it. I get what he's doing. He's trying to get that money fight with Nate Diaz. It'd be a cool fight. But uh, it's going to be tough to get Nate Diaz up to fight a guy like Vicente Luque. Because that's not an easy fight for him. And he's going to get less money fighting that. And it's going to be bad for his resume. Or bad for his look. Because why would Nate Diaz fight a guy like Vicente Luque when he can uh, fight... Uh, what's his name? Jorge? Or like Connor for more money. And it, it would be it would be like a main event. Where this would be like a co-main event. Or like a main event of a fight night. You know? So he's probably not going to get that fight. But luckily for him, the welterweight division is stacked from... Uh, the fifth rank guy to the fifteenth rank guy. You know, I know every single name on that board. He got Robbie Lawler, Neil Magny, Anthony Pettis, RDA, Michael Chiesa, Jeff Neal. So any of those guys would be awesome. Uh, I would probably like for him to fight a guy like Chiesa or Neil. RDA would be sick too. Uh, when you match anybody up with Vicente Luque, it's gonna be a good fight, and it's gonna be a must. It's gonna be must see TV. So I'm excited for whoever Vicente Luque wants to fight and. I'm guessing he wants to stay pretty active, and he's a very exciting fighter, and I would watch any of his fights, and there's a lot of cool fights to make in that division. So, there's that. Uh, now I'll talk about the Contender Series. Uh, I usually don't watch the Contender Series that much, but I thought I'd give it a try, and it was actually super entertaining. Uh, they get these guys that I have no idea who they are. They're just like a uh, like amateur fighters. They're not, they're not amateur, but like lower tier fighters. Uh, they have like a couple fights in professional MMA at uh, lower organizations, and the whole the purpose of it is to get these uh, no names on a show. Uh, they can look really good, and then they can get a UFC contract that same night if they impress Dana White enough. So there was four fights, so there could have been in theory eight contracts given out, but usually there's like two to three that. Uh, give out they don't get they don't if you win the fight that doesn't mean that you uh, get a contract immediately you gotta look good as well so for the first fight Jordan Levitt fought and he's kind of like a Ryan Hall type simply uh, like a grappler doesn't really like striking and he did what he ne needed to do took to that took the guy to the ground locked in a really good arm triangle he might he must have a really tight squeeze because that guy tapped out real quick so he got a contract he's pretty good uh, I think he's in the division could be wrong though but he's like a lower weight class he's, he's a pretty good grappler so excited to see him and then you got a Serbian guy named Uroš Medic and this guy he's got like a karate type style uh, really good kicks to the body uh, very good striking he did get hit with some uh, hook kicks and the guy he's, he was fighting wasn't too good or he didn't seem too good and it was like a short notice fight and the guy was only really throwing like hook kicks. So I see the potential in Urosh, but I, I kind of want to see him fight more. And I hope just because he had a crazy performance, they don't just give him like some crazy good fighters right away. You know, I would I would work this guy up. And I think he's in the light, lightweight division. And he's a pretty big dude. And he's got a lot of power. But one issue I could see with him is, is that uh, he throws 100% of his power with every single strike. So 
he could be prone to gassing out pretty quick. And I don't know if his gra grappling is good. But out of all the guys I saw in the Contender Series, he's the one that could be the biggest star. And then just uh, this guy named D Dustin Jacoby got a contract. The fight was, it was action-packed, but it was kind of like amateurish. Uh, Dustin Jacoby, not the best cardio. He was a better striker than the guy, but it, it was it was an alright fight. He was already in the UFC, but he's kind of like a journeyman in my opinion. But nonetheless, he, he gives exciting fights, and he's a pretty good striker for that light heavyweight division. So... He could be he could be good too, and then there was a flyweight fight, and uh, I don't remember the guy's name, but the decision I thought I thought the other guy won. It was like uh, I think his name was like Rodriguez or Gonzalez something, but uh, that fight was all right. Uh, they didn't give either guy a contract because the decision was bad, and neither guy did anything too crazy. Like they're all, they're all right. Maybe maybe they'll sign him later, but they didn't do anything like out of this world that deserved a UFC contract, you know. But this month's going to be super busy for MMA. You got the Contender Series. You got the fights this week. You got next week's fights, and there's fights after that. So this is one of the busiest months in uh, MMA history. So there's a lot of stuff to cover this month, and there's going to be a lot of cool fights to see, and it's going to be super interesting how they all pan out. So watch for the month of August. It's going to show a lot for the next upcoming year and, and how this year is going to end out. August is going to be a pretty important month. Alright, now I'll go to the Bellator preview. And I'm only going to preview one fight because I know I know most of the fighters on the card, but I don't know their opponents that well, so I just feel weird uh, giving a prediction that I don't really know about the all, both fighters. But uh, I'm going to give my take on Benson Henderson and Michael Chandler. Uh, I know them both pretty well. Michael Chandler could definitely be in the UFC, and he could be a really good lightweight. Uh, I thought he was going to be in the UFC a couple of years ago. He signed a contract, or he was about to, but uh, I think Bellator probably paid him more money. And, I mean, good for him. Lesser opponents for more money. I mean, I don't blame him. And then you got Benson Henderson, who's a former lightweight champion and a former WEC champion, uh, lightweight champion. So these guys fought a couple of years before and it was a split decision but uh, I thought it was oh, I thought it was pretty clear I think Michael maybe won like four rounds maybe three rounds but the issue was with that fight Michael exerted a lot of energy in the early rounds and kind of out wrestled and outstruck Benson but Benson had a really good chance of actually finishing Michael in the fifth round and you I think you could contest that that was maybe a 10-8 round if I'm remembering it right. But Benson Henderson, he's known for having really good cardio, so I feel like he's probably going to try to use that to his, to his advantage. But at the same time, I feel like Michael, uh, his striking has gotten a lot better since then, and his wrestling is really good. So I feel like for Michael, uh, the best course of action is probably to grapple Benson, probably to wrestle him and control him, but not exert too much energy on the feet. Maybe throw like 60 or 60-50% or of your uh, punch power at him. Because Benson Henderson is always going to be active. He's always going to have good cardio. And you don't want to slip up any rounds in, in these uh, important championship fights. Because you never know how the judges will lean. So you got to really take every single round. And you can't coast those last two rounds. So 
all in all, I would probably say that Michael will win by decision, but I think it's going to be a close fight because these guys are very evenly matched. And in all honesty, this this fight is tomorrow, it's Friday. I think this card is better than the UFC card this uh, Saturday. You got Matt Mitrione against Tim Johnson, Curtis Millinder, who's in the UFC, fighting Sabah Fomasi. You got Miles Jury fighting. You got this guy named Adam Borix fighting, who's a really good guy. He just beat Aaron Pico by a flying knee. Watch for him. Young guy, he's like 21, 22 years old, undefeated. You got AJ Agazarum fighting, who's like a prolific young prodigy in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world. And he's caused a lot of waves, and, the, and he has a lot of controversy around him. So it's a pretty good fight for the... Bella, pretty good card for the Bellator. It's it's their best card since coming back from COVID, and they definitely stacked this one. Uh, the fights this weekend for the UFC, they're all right. Uh, I would say they're they might be worse than the last week's fights, but uh, it should be fun nonetheless. So now we'll go to the UFC preview. Uh, the main event is Derek Lewis and Alexi Olenek. So, the way I see this fight going, so, hopefully Derek Lewis is active, because I think he could take us the same approach as Walt Harris did, and be f super aggressive with uh, Alexi Olenek. But at the same time, he's got to conserve his energy. And he also needs to watch out for Alexi's takedowns because there's a definite advantage in the grappling for Alexi Olenek. And Derek Lewis has been known to be a pretty bad grappler. And people like DC have, have submitted him. And if Alexi gets a hold of that neck, it's going to be tough for Lewis to get out of that. And even if he gets him to the ground, it's going to be tough for Lewis to posture up and get out. I mean, he might be stronger than Alexi, but Alexi is... Uh, Although he's old, he's a very seasoned grappler, and he can definitely keep guys down. And he looked pretty good in that uh, We're Doom fight. So, it, it's it's an interesting fight because L Lewis is definitely the better striker, and I feel like if he keeps it at, at a distance and throws kicks, I think throwing kicks would be good against Alexi. Try to go to that body. Uh, I feel like he can be pretty successful because... Alexi's definitely going to try to go for a takedown. He's going to try to close the distance, get Lewis up against the cage, and possibly trip him and take him down and try to get a hold of that neck. And he, he also has a bunch of different types of submissions. He, he's got a lot of good arm locks, good leg locks. He has that Sambo. And in Sambo, uh, they specialize in leg locks. So he's got a lot of uh, different submissions in his arsenal, uh, like... 85-90% of his wins are by submission. This guy has really, really good squeezes when he gets a hold of your neck, so Lewis definitely has to watch out for that. But where Alexi, where Alexi fails uh, in his in his uh, MMA approach is that he's very slow because he's, he's kind of an older guy and he, he doesn't know how to strike at all. So guys like Walt Harris that are super athletic and quick, they're going to knock him out, you know, like, Francis Ngannou type guy and Alistair Wolverine. It's it's tough for Alexi to fight those types of guys because they're good strikers and if they if he can't close the distance and trip them and take them down, it's gonna be a tough night for him. And I feel like if Derek Lewis shows up, 
because sometimes Derek, Derek Lewis, and why I'm saying that is because sometimes Derek Lewis doesn't really show up, and although he has a lot of knockouts, he has a lot of snooze fests as fights, and I just think that's based off of motivation, and if, if it's a newly motivated Derek Lewis, he's off two wins, beating Lear Latifi and Blago Ivanov, uh, I thought he lost the last fight though, but it was pretty close. I feel like if he comes in as he usually does and looks for that knockout, I think he can definitely get it with Alexi, but he has to be careful in the early rounds because in the early rounds, they're both going to be dry. So if he does get to the ground, it's going to be tough for Derek to get up and Alexi can really get a hold of his neck, possibly. And that's a big win condition for him. If he goes into the later rounds, I feel like it's better for Derek because Derek... He's pretty good at conserving his energy, as we saw in the Alexander Volk Volkov fight. He uh, knocked him out in the third round, like the last minute. So he's good at conserving his energy, and he brings that power into those later rounds. So the way I see this fight going is Derek being kind of passive in the first rounds, but getting some good kicks in and getting some good strikes in, but staying at a distance because he doesn't want to close that distance with Alexi. Uh... And the way I see Alexi going is being very aggressive and trying to get him against the cage and get s getting some trips on him and trying to get a hold of that neck. But ultimately, I feel like striking will prevail in this fight, and Derek will be smart enough to know not to get to the ground. So for this fight, I'm going to go with a third-round knockout by Derek Lewis. And for the next fight, it's the co-main event. Chris Weidman is back, and he's fighting... Omari Akhmadov. Now, a lot of you probably don't know who Omari Akhmadov is. I don't I don't know him too well myself. I've heard of him, and I've seen some footage. And he's a typical Dagestani fighter, but he's a better striker, but he can also wrestle. He's a, like a master of sambo, which means like it's kind of like the same thing Habib has, you know, ma master of that sambo background. So Dagestanis, they're out of the womb they know how to wrestle like it's just in their blood <laughs> so uh, Weidman has been known for like not having the best striking so I feel like if Omari can keep it on the feet and defend takedowns and maybe even be a little aggressive towards Weidman and, and shoot for some takedowns he he can probably uh, win the striking department because Weidman is kind of slow and in, in his striking and has a glass chin. So I feel like Chris, Chris Weidman's ring condition is if he's a better wrestler than Omari. But the thing with Chris is he's just he's just very disappointing to watch. I feel bad for Chris Weidman fans because I, I always pick Chris to win because I've seen him at his best when he was fighting Anderson Silva and like Vitor Belfort and Ryota Machida and he was a beast. I thought he was going to be champion for a while. And I always pick him to win. I picked him to win against... Musasi, Rockpool, DOL, uh, against all these guys, and every time I seem to pick him, he loses. Like, he's won, in his last, like, six fights, he's won one fight, and it was against Calvin Gastelum, who's way bigger than, uh, he choked him out. But nonetheless, I just, I just feel like with Weidman, he doesn't have that same drive, that same tenacity to fight, and I think getting knocked out five times brutally does not help the case, and I'm surprised he's still fighting, to be honest. Like, if I was knocked out that viciously five times, I don't know. 
I don't know like what would keep me going for fighting. And I think Chris is is a victim of letting the m moment get to him a little bit. Like when New York opened up, he just wanted to fight in New York. Like his family comes and watches his fights, and I just feel like he's a little too much into the into the moment, and he's gotten away from that drive, that tenacity, that competitive edge that got to him, that got him to win that middleweight championship. And although I'm sure he's happy with his family, and he he still loves training and he still loves MMA, I just don't see like a really good future for Chris, to be honest. And I think he's definitely slowing down, and although like he may tell you that those knockouts did nothing to him, he's still got that same drive. Every time you get knocked out, it takes a lot out of you, uh, or I would assume so. And you just you're not the same fighter every single time you get knocked out. And I feel like Chris is gonna be a little more passive with the striking, even against a guy that's not super good at striking like Omari. But I just see Chris shooting for takedowns. Omari having good takedown defense, keeping the fight at a distance, and just uh, out point, getting Chris on points. Chris could win on points too, but uh, it'll probably be a close fight. But just because I, I don't feel, I feel like Chris is on the down slope, and I don't see a lot of good things coming from him. I'll take Omari for this one uh, by decision. But I'm gonna be rooting for Chris though. I, I've always liked Chris. I've always respected him. He's a good dude, but he's just not. He hasn't been himself the past couple of years so it's tough to bet on them but yeah there's that and then there's some cool UFC news that came out this week uh, super shocking by me and I actually had to check if it was fake news or not because on Instagram like there's a lot of fake news sources that talk about like fake NFL trades or fake NBA trades just to get clickbait uh, I saw on an Instagram page that was pretty reliable that Paige Van Zandt is signing to bare knuckle fighting, and I had to check if it was legit, and apparently it is. And I'm just I'm so confused because I knew she was gonna sign somewhere else, but if you told me what is the last like what I think her last option would be, it would be bare knuckle fighting. I would think she would do like Bellator because her boyfriend is in it or whatever. But uh, I, I guess she wants just to cut up her face and just have these grueling fights. Because here's the thing, Paige Van Zandt is probably a better grappler than she is a striker. Her striking is pretty bad. Uh, she, she has really bad head movement. Uh, her timing is pretty amateurish. And I'm not trying to shit on her, but I'm just a little surprised why... A dime piece model who can just like be an Instagram model and like fight like fight in Bellator if she wants to a couple times is fighting in bare knuckle fighting because the the thought of bare knuckle fighting it's it's maybe good in theory like Joe Rogan was a big proponent of it it's uh, no gloves you just have tape you just have like uh, tape regular tape I don't even know if they have tape I don't even think they have tape actually it's just it's just bare hands actually um and you just you just box you just bare knuckle box and it's it's cool because you're not I guess you're not gloves so that that's what people that's what Joe was thinking about it like it's gloves aren't a good thing because it protects your hands and having bare knuckle fights is more uh, realistic but after I saw Jason Knight and Artem Lobov fight and they had 
20 scratches on their face and their face is never going to look the same. I'm like, this is not, you cannot promote this, bro. Like, this is not, it makes sense why they wear gloves now. Like, even some companies don't allow elbows. I think they should. But, like, having this many cuts, bro, is not a long-term good thing. And it just looks, it just looks weird. It just looks like some weird fight club. <coughs> but, uh, I don't know. I just don't get why she would do bare knuckle fighting because she's probably going to get less money for it than she would if she was at Bellator. I just don't understand the upside. And bare knuckle is, is way different than uh, UFC because in UFC you got gloves, you have clinch, kicks, and bare knuckle it's just boxing. And I, I don't know if she's become like a good boxer or something, but I just feel like there's not a lot of upside in bare knuckle. And even Joe Rogan, when he saw the Jason Knight fight and he saw those cuts, he's like, yeah, I didn't really think about that. And now I get why they wear gloves, you know. Maybe it's not as realistic, you know, when people are actually fighting in real life, they are they wear, uh, they don't wear gloves. But, I mean, this is a sport. This isn't just street fighting, you know. This is a legitimate sport that should be respected. So them wearing gloves makes sense. It protects their hands, but it also prevents as many cuts. So, yeah, I'm a little shocked by that news, and I don't know what to think about it. I probably won't tune in for the fights, because I don't watch Bernalco that much. But, I mean, if that's what she wants to do, I mean, you do you. <laughs> uh, next news is Yair Rodriguez pulling out of the Zabit fight with an injury. Uh, this, this bums me out, man, because I was super excited for this fight. It was going to be later this month. It was going to headline a card. But, on the upside, uh, a guy by the name of Calvin Cater said that he's available that day, and he would love to get that rematch with Zabit in a five-round fight. Yep, not three rounds, five rounds. So, that'd be fucking crazy, man, if Calvin Cater came back from, like, a two-week layoff, or, like, a month layoff, I guess it would be. And fought Zabit and won. Like, you would have to give him the title fight after that, bro. Like, that would be crazy. And I think he could beat Zabit in a, in a month. Because, yeah, he did have a five-round fight with Dan Ige. But he didn't take any crazy shots. And maybe it's better. Zabit hasn't fought in a while. So maybe he'll be better. I mean, Zabit will be, be, will be more rested. But Calvin Cater kind of knows what, what the matchup is now. Uh, he's got to take every round he can. Because he knows that Zabit kind of doesn't have the best cardio in those later rounds. Like, if that was a five-round fight, Calvin Cater definitely would have won. Because he was taken that third round by Storm. And he, he, had, a, he had a new, uh, he, just had, he seemed like he had a new gas tank in the third round. Like, he was just going after Zabit. And Zabit couldn't really uh, deal with that. And he took Zabit down too, and he was raining down some good shots on him. But Zabit won the er first two rounds with his striking... Um, but that was a third round, that was a three round fight, it was in Russia, so all the cards were in Habib's favor, or <laughs> Habib, <laughs> shit, Zabit's favor, but, uh, I would like to see with no crowd in the Apex, Calvin Cater versus Zabit, that would be a great fight, I like that fight more than Yair, the Yair fight, so, I hope Zabit accepts it, I hope they make that work, and that would be a great fight to see this, uh, later this month, man, I'd be super excited for it so i'm praying i'm crossing my fingers but we'll see
And then the next fight you got, or the next fighter announcement is super surprising by me. Uh, Robert Whitaker is fighting in October. I think he's fighting on the Habib card in uh, in probably Abu Dhabi against Jared Cannonier. So my theory was when Whitaker won, although it was close, I thought that Whitaker would hold out for that uh, rematch against Israel. But I didn't think he would make this quick of a comeback because that fight was it was a pretty good fight. I mean, he got cut. Uh, he, it wasn't like a crazy barn burner fight, but it was a five-round war. So I'm a little surprised that Robert is fighting in two months now. But big props to him. And if he wins that fight, man, like he definitely deserves a title shot. And I'm guessing his theory was, I don't want to wait for a title fight. I want to be active this year. He probably likes fighting with no fans. Uh, so he's thinking, let's book the fight. Uh, it's it's a pretty good matchup for him because Cannoneer is like a striker, so he'll stay striking with him, but Whitaker is faster. Uh, but I'm not going to go too deep into the analysis because that fight's in two months, and there's a there's another date to analyze that fight. But I was super shocked to see the news, but I'm very happy because that fight is going to be sick, on, especially on that card. That card's uh, already looking to be uh, the card of the year. So I'm super excited that Whitaker announced that fight, and I'm glad to see that he's not taking so so much time in between fights. Like that was a big issue with me. He would just take a lot of time in between fights, and I know he got injured, but it it seemed like he almost got injured because he wasn't really feeling MMA. But it seemed like this Darren Till fight kind of reinvigorated his love for the game, and he's only 29 years old, and I'm kind of rooting for uh, uh, Whitaker. But uh, I still did think he lost that Till fight. But uh, it it would be it would be uh, cool to see him win this next fight. Although I like Jared Cannonier too, so I don't know. I'm just excited. I'm I'm uh, I think it's really cool that Whitaker is doing a quick turnaround and fighting these savages in the middleweight division. Man, he's not just uh, waiting for uh, Israel to uh, fight Costa and getting that uh, title fight. So respect to Whitaker, man. And then for the last topic. Uh, I just thought I would throw this in there. It hasn't been talked about this week as much as it was last month, but I just kind of want to touch on the subject. Uh, there's a lot of talk about fighter pay, how much they should get paid, and how the whole coronavirus thing affects how much they get paid. So the thing with the coronavirus in the USC is that the testing is really, really expensive. Uh, it's expensive to get all those testers in and to administer all those tests. Um, so that costs the UFC a lot of money. And then the fact that there's no attendance costs them a lot of money as well. So they can't give them money that they get from the that they would get from the attendance of the fighters. So that's kinda why they're making less money. But I can understand I'm I always side with the fighters when it comes to fighter pay. Because think about it, you're you're a young fighter. You're trying to be make a name for yourself in the UFC. Your first couple fights, and you walk away with like thirty thousand dollars after all the taxes, and you f you pay your trainer, and all that bullshit, your agent or whatever. Cause in the UFC, the way it's set up is, you get twenty five thousand. Like if you're a new fighter, it depends who you are. 
but if you're like a new fighter, you're not really that well known, you'll usually get 25 to show to the fight, to like show up and fight, but then you get a bonus that's double your show money, so you would get 50k if you win the fight, 25k if you lose it, uh, 25k in all if you lose the fight, so that's, so that's just your show money, you get a bonus that's double your show money, so if you win you get 50k, and then you might get some bonuses as well, like uh, fight of the night bonus or something like that, that gives you an extra, I don't even know what it is, like 5,000 or 10,000, I'm not really sure, but then you get some other bonuses like uh, week of the fight prep, stuff like that, so all, all, all in all, you'll get probably like 60k, but uh, they take taxes out of that, you have to pay your agent a lot, because he set up the fight, or your manager, you have, to, you have to pay him a lot because he set up the fight, you have to pay your nutritionist, your trainer, uh, a bunch of other uh, things they have, doctors, stuff like that, whatever, so all in all, you might get like 30k, 35k <coughs> to walk away if you win, if you lose it's obviously less, it's like uh, 20k or less. And let's say you fight like two, three times a year, you're making like, and you win those fights, you're making like 70k, 60k, and that's like, like a little more than like a teacher's salary, and you're fighting in the biggest promotion in the world, you're fighting in the MLB of fighting, the NBA of fighting, and if, if you're in the MLB, I, th I think if you're in the major leagues, you get a guaranteed like 800k, I could be wrong on that, but it, it's definitely not 60k, um, and I know it's different sports, and UFC, uh, MMA isn't, it hasn't been a sport for that long, it's one of the youngest sports, but I empathize with the fighters because they put a lot on the line for this, uh, they fight every, it's like a lifestyle, it's not just you take a couple weeks off and then you fight and then whatever, you just lay around, no, you gotta train every single day, multiple times a day, you gotta watch everything you eat, you gotta cut weight, and then you gotta fight the guy and you gotta win. Uh, what, I'm, no, I'm not a businessman, I'm not gonna shit on Dana White, uh, nor would I want to, cause I respect that he's gotten all this, all these UFC cards done with COVID, but I'm just a little confused why there's UFC bonuses at all, because their, uh, their theory is that if you have knock, like, fight of the night bonuses, performance of the night bonuses, that are worth, like, five thousand, ten thousand dollars or whatever, I can't remember the number, that it will make the fighters work harder to get that bonus at the end of the night, but I disagree, I feel like fighters just come in with a game plan, and they gotta win the fight, because let's say you're a new fighter and you lose two in a row, like, you're probably out of the UFC, and it's, and if you thought it was tough to get into the UFC your first time, it's way tougher to leave and then come back, because the shelf life of a UFC fighter is not that long. Like, not everybody lasts, like, a Donald Cowboy Stronian fights 40 fights. Most guys fight two, three fights, and then they're out, and they're never heard of again. And they're just, their career's over. Be and it's like, yeah, you get, you have these guys that maybe they fight for bonuses, but most guys are just trying to get in, go in there and get the win. Because they know that the, f the win bonus is double their money. So I just feel like you, if you get rid of the bonuses, you can up the salaries of all the fighters. And I, I guess they want uh, 
deals with athletic companies like the Reebok deal kind of fucked with the fighters because they couldn't have their own advertisements. But now they have Venom, which I guess is paying them a little more. But I wish we could go back to the old days of having them have advertisements, but that's, that's for a different day. That doesn't really pertain to this. But just to say it, I, I understand why all these fighters are mad about their pay, but like Dana said, it's like that in any sport, and everybody th thinks they deserve more money. But I have a lot of empathy towards these fighters, and I hope one day in the, ne in the next couple years they all get paid a good amount of money. Like, if you're a startup fighter and you fight one fight and you get eight, 70, 80k, that's perfect. You, they don't gotta get paid a million f for a fight, you know? That's that's just not gonna happen ever, probably. <coughs> but, uh, I would like for them to get paid more money, man, because the reasons I stated before, you know, uh, I'm not gonna try to ramble on too much, but I just thought I'd give my two cents on that topic and just show some empathy for these fighters because not everyone's going to end up being a Conor McGregor or a, Hab or a Habib and these guys deserve money too so that's just my two cents I'm not a businessman but that's what I got to say about it and with that the podcast comes to a close thank you everybody for watching and enjoy the fights this weekend peace